man, I'm just so expectant for what God wants to do today. Uh, we, we had an in, incredible encounter night on Friday. How many of you guys were here uh, as we just sought heaven and worshiped and prayed for one another and prayed for our city? And uh, God was just in the place. He was moving. And uh, what I really have been sensing for this morning is that uh, what began on Friday is going to continue on today. And uh, I think that the beautiful thing about riding a wave that God has been stirring and then is beginning to break around us uh, is, is that there, there's beautiful, unexpected moments along the way. And, and I love how when, we're, when our ears are attuned to heaven, then we, we're able to hear maybe the still small voice that we weren't paying attention to before. And, and I just want to say like, that I, I got here this morning super uh, excited about what God was going to do. Uh, and then also like dealing with a little, little baseline anxiety because my wife and daughter fly out to the Ukraine in a couple of hours. And so it's just like, yo, you know, it's a little bit of an honest gut check. You're like, hey, my two of my girls going into a war zone, you know, I feel that a little bit. Um, and, I, and so I was in a bit of a wrestle. Have you ever had a wrestle where your, your expectation of who God is and what he wants to do is through the roof? And then you also have the reality that you're still a human being with flesh that fears and that, that salvation is being in, worked out within us. And sometimes it can create a bit of an internal tension where you're like, how am I so expecting for God to do the unthinkable? And at the same time, I'm dealing with anxiety about what I don't know and what I can't control. Am I, am I talking to anybody else, right? And, and what I felt when I actually pulled in and parked and I opened the back door of my truck and my iPad fell out and shattered on the ground. And, and immediately, I was like, Lord, there has to be more of a cost-effective way for you to speak to me. <laughs> like, I, why is it that it's like my car has to break or my iPad has to shatter or, you know, like, what, what, why does it take that to get my attention? But as I'm looking at my iPad broken on the ground, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, hey, I'm going to break everything today. And, and what I took from that is, is that, you know, sometimes we can get in a rhythm and not all rhythms are bad. Can I just clarify? There are holy rhythms in our lives. We just did nine weeks on them called the practices, the spiritual disciplines. There are holy rhythms in our lives that position us to live more alive to who God has called us to be as ultimately we're filling ourselves with the truth of the word of God and we're positioning ourselves under the flow of the spirit of God. And therefore what we're doing is we're operating more with him in everything throughout our lives. That's a great holy rhythm. But sometimes God comes and he disrupts our rhythm so that we can see that he is bigger than we think that he is. And I think on Friday night, there was a holy breaking of a rhythm of expectation that when we gather together, it's just going to be status quo. 
that we're going to sing some songs and we're going to hear some truth and we're going to leave maybe inspired. Maybe if you like the worship songs, you really connected with God. But if you didn't, you know, then it wasn't a good day. And I felt like what happened on Friday night was this beginning of this unraveling of, of us expecting that when we just show up in a place that it's just going to be what we have always experienced. And I believe that even this morning, God wants to open up our minds to the bigness of who he is. And that somehow in the glory of his majesty, he knows your name and knows what's going on in your life. And he is holding the world together at the same time. Isn't that just crazy? That the living God knows what's going on in your life. And at the same time, the person sitting next to you is having the very same experience. You know, in, in Revelation 12, uh, this very kind of popular passage of scripture, verse 11, it says, They, speaking of the people of God, triumph over him, speaking of the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That our victory is in partnership with what Jesus did on the cross and remembering what he's doing right now. By the blood of the lamb, by, by the price that Jesus paid when he offered himself as a sacrifice for our sin, that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Why is that? Because humans have this amazing ability to forget breakthrough. You know, like it, we, we can, I mean, it's amazing how fast that we will forget amazing things that God did for us yesterday and we become fearful for what is going on today. Am I talking to anybody else? Right, like it's crazy how quickly we forget. Knowing this, there were times in the Old Testament, if you're new to the Bible, the Old Testament's the front part. And, and there are times in the Old Testament where God would say, I want all of the people to go get a rock and I want you to Put a pile of rocks right here. And every time you walk by this pile of rocks, I want you to remember what I've done for you. Why? Because we have a tendency to forget what God has done for us. And so what, what, the reason I'm, I, I want to start here today is that testimonies really matter. Testimonies really matter. What God is doing in you matters, not just for you, but for us. Because somebody in the room needs a breakthrough, and they need to hear about your breakthrough. And, and what testimony does is that it really awakens us to the fact that God is real. That, that's ultimately, you can boil it down to that. A, a testimony awakens your heart that God is real, that God is moving. When he moves in power in someone's life or touches somebody and they get radically healed or somebody gets a mega breakthrough that can only be described as heaven, it reminds you God is real. And, and, and so I wanted to start today with a story to remind us that God is real. Can we just start with a testimony, because God is moving in our midst. He is moving in our midst. I, I, I hesitate at times to say things like this because I, I, I fear that they would be misinterpreted. But we're in the middle of a move of God. 
We are in the middle of a move of God. I have been involved in church for my whole life. I had the pleasure of being a teenager during this incredible revival season that swept through the Vineyard Church. I was right in the middle of it and God was moving and all this crazy stuff. We were having meetings where we, we literally had to turn people away because they were showing up because the, the news of what God was doing was spreading. You know, and when God is moving, you, you don't have to do any marketing. You just don't. People just come. They just, they start coming. The, and it's been like that since Jesus walked the earth. Is it the news of what he was doing spread? And guess what? He couldn't escape people finding him. Before Twitter. And, and, and so like, it, it's important for us to realize that we are in the middle of a move of God. And I think sometimes we forget that we're in the middle of a move of God because we're not talking about what God's doing enough. We're not talking about the things that are happening enough. We're not sharing stories that are just, what? You know, like the, on, on Friday night, we, we joke, Lindsay and I were talking, we were just joking, the amount of confirmations that happen of God speaking Things that nobody knew was bananas. It was bananas. Like the, the guy, Larry, that was here, Larry Sparks, right? Like he, 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 he was like, God, give me a word, a word, okay? And so the Lord speaks to him and says, you need to tell Antioch that they can be that saturated. Then he says, the Lord speaks to him, Acts 5, when Peter is walking down the street and people are laying the sick, lame, and hurting on the sidewalk, hoping that his shadow would just pass by them. That's what the Lord speaks to him. On his way here, he said, I should listen to what they preached on on Sunday. And if you were here on Sunday, it was all about what? being saturated. And one of the passages of scripture that I preached from was Acts 5. So he comes up to me and he goes, you're going to think I'm not telling the truth because it was so the same. You're going to think, oh, he listened to it. And then no, no, no. God, why? Because God is real. God is real. And we have a family in our church, uh, and, and they just had a baby, Bowen and Sid Parrish, Sid. And like we, some of us have been praying for that moment for a long, long time. And I remember being on the side of a mountain with Bowen. He's one of my hunting buddies. If you have a problem with hunting, I'm sorry. I don't. I love it. And, <laughs> and we're on a side of a mountain and he tells me that they're pregnant. And dude, we just like have this like celebration. You know, we scare off all the animals that are around us. <laughs> but we didn't even care. You know, we were just like, yes, man, this is amazing. And so she gives birth to their son, Boone. And if, it, if something could have gone wrong, it went wrong. It was one of those situations. And I wake up on Wednesday morning to a text message that said, no, on Thursday morning to a text message. This was a couple of weeks ago. Please pray. Boone didn't have oxygen during labor. And the doctors are saying, 
mild to moderate brain damage, guaranteed. So I just, like, you can't, those moments throw you into being an intercessor even if you say that you're not one. When, when your friend is in a fight, all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe I do, maybe I do love to pray. Because I could not not pray. I was like, all I, all I did all day long, I just was just, God, you had, and I got this picture of Jesus coming down and holding Boone in his hands. And immediately in my spirit, I was like, he's going to be completely fine. Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything. And so I'm thinking there's going to be an unknown for a couple of years. You know, I mean, like, but I was just like convinced. I called Bo and I'm like, dude, this is the picture I got. You know, it's like, he, I just, I'm I, full, full healing, full healing. So for days, just praying, praying, praying. I know so many of you were praying as well. Just beating on the door of heaven and saying, God, would you move and do something miraculous? Well, thankfully, there is technology now, praise God, where you can do scans and see what's going on. And they just did a scan of Boone. Zero issues. Like, no problems. Like, it shouldn't be like this, no problems. Why? God is real. God is real. And, and God is moving. And we overcome what the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy by the blood of the lamb, the access that we have to heaven because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and because we keep our hearts full of what God is doing and not overwhelmed at the, the circumstances of discouragement. Are you hearing me? And, and I, I just, I wanted to start there because we're talking about how do we share the story of Jesus to people? And there's this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians Chapter two, where you was written, first Corinthians was written by Paul. And, and Paul was the master theologian. If anybody had the head knowledge to accompany his heart conviction, it was Paul. Have you ever felt like, man, I wish I just knew more of the Bible or I knew more of theology, so when I got in a conversation, I would know what to say. Anybody else? Paul never thought that. <laughs> Paul never had that issue. He was a master and a absolute ninja when it came to understanding who God is, how he displayed himself through the word of God. He was the theologian of theologians. The writings of Paul, they shape our theology. The revelation that was in his heart from the living God is the building blocks for so much of what we do today in church. He never thought what I often think, man, I wish I just knew more. But this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. 
If anyone had those things, it was him. And he's saying, hey, when I came to you, church in Corinth, I wasn't coming trying to talk you into anything, trying to have all the right answers, trying to communicate in this like beautiful flowery language that would make you want to believe what I was saying. He says, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. And my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Conversation that we're in the middle of about being a people who are obedient to Jesus' command to us that we read in Mark 16, verse 15. That is, that we are to go into all of the world and preach the gospel, which is the story of Jesus, to all creation. Paul is making it clear to us that, that as we go, it's not about knowing all the right answers. It's not about having all the right things to say and feeling like you have to say them in the right way so that people will understand. No, no, no. It's about saturated people going into dry places and leaving them wet. Because God is real. God is real. And, and, and so I, I know what's going on in my heart right now is that, man, we saw a bunch of people healed on Friday night. It was absolutely amazing. And why does God touch our physical bodies sometimes? Because he wants us to know that he's real. He, he's not some distant, far-off thing that we're like this like spiritual orb that we're praying towards, hoping that we get on his good side so that our life will become a little bit easier on the earth. Actually, if you read the Bible, you realize the closer you get to him, the harder your life usually gets. <laughs> it's a little different to the gospel we often preach here in America. But it's true. Because it's not about our life getting easier. It's about our heart getting full. And so if you are here, and, and here's the thing. God wants to move today. So if you're here right now and you need physical healing in your body, doesn't matter what it is. You need breakthrough. Stand up right now. You need physical healing in your body, stand up. If you're around these guys, we're just gonna take a couple of minutes here and we're gonna pray. And God is going to move. Just begin to pray, just right now. If you don't know what to pray, just say, Jesus, come. God's gonna do some things. Specifically, I'm feeling like somebody with a left knee, you have trouble squatting down that stiffness is leaving right now. Just begin to pray. Just pray. Just ask God to touch people. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you're a healer. Thank you that you move. Thank you that you want to demonstrate yourself. That you are alive. That you are moving right now. 
Somebody with back pain. You just felt something shift in your lower back. God sees you. Come on, keep praying. Pray out loud. Use your words. Don't be embarrassed. Let's go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're healing people. Thank you that you're healing people right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're healing people. You're touching people. Thank you, Lord. God, this is why we're here. We're here to meet you. We're here to meet you, Jesus. We're here to encounter you. Amen. Amen. Come on, if you felt, if you felt something happen, what happened? God is real. God is real. Come on. Oh, man. Whew. Goodness gracious. Did you, wait, did you feel that? Just when she testified, did you feel your heart swell a little bit? That's the power of testimony. That was your faith growing. That's what that was. Your faith just got bigger. Your faith just grew. It's not by wise and persuasive words. It's by a demonstration of the Spirit's power. No one is going to have to tell her that God is real. Right? Because God demonstrates his power. So when we're talking about this idea of sharing about Jesus, what we're, what we're ultimately saying is we want to live that way. Where we're so saturated that we're like, you know what, God, what are you doing in the room? Where, where are you already moving? Sometimes we opt out because we're like, I don't have wise and persuasive words. I, I, I'm not good at talking to people. I, I'm not eloquent at it. it. It feels really awkward and strange to me, and so I don't know how to do it. And so then we just don't. But it's not, but it's not about that all of us can walk into a room as a saturated person and leave it wet. There's this old phrase that, that I heard when I was a teenager that if I can talk you into the gospel, then somebody else can talk you out of it. It's not about us talking people into the story. It's about us introducing people to the person of Jesus. You know, a, a few years ago, I was commissioned by my wife to change our kitchen faucet. Uh, I don't know if you've ever gotten a commissioning from your spouse to execute something you did not feel equipped to do. Uh, it, welcome to my life. And so she wanted a new kitchen faucet. Now, of course, I'm not going to pay somebody to do that. It looks super simple, right? <laughs> looks so easy. You know, like what? How, how hard could this be? I look underneath. I'm like, we get, we're talking about one bolt, okay? Surely I can execute this. Right? So the new faucet comes in, 
And, you know, I turned all the water off, thankfully. <laughs> I watched a YouTube video. And I was like, good tip, pro tip, pro tip. Before you unscrew the pipe, turn the water off. I was like, thank you, YouTube University. I appreciate that. I'm now a plumber, you know. And so I am taking everything apart, right? Now, have you ever started a job, and the more you get into the job, the complexity level goes up? And you realize that the instructions that are given to you were not written for you. They were written for people that know what they were doing. And so when you read step one to step two, and you look at all of your supplies, you're like, is this the right book for this? Because I have no idea how to get from step one to step two. It's kind of where I found myself very quickly in this adventure to change our kitchen faucet. And here was the big problem. The big problem is I'm not a plumber. I'm not really much of anything, honestly, when it comes to fixing things. And so I don't have plumber tools. Now, I've heard my entire life that if you have the right tool for the job, how many of you have heard this, right? And you think they're trying to sell you something at the hardware store. They're like, yo, you really should buy this. You're like, I don't need that $25 wrench, bro. I've got a wrench. You're just trying to upsell me. I've learned now, anytime they say you should get this, I'm like, I'll take three. (laughs) And so I am trying to tackle this plumbing job without plumbing tools. And I am fighting with these pipes for hours. So frustrated. I'm angry at Liz. I'm like accusing her for materialism. I'm like, we didn't even need a new faucet. This is the spirit of the world, you know. <laughs> She's not here to defend herself for a couple weeks, so I'm freaking, let's, let's be honest at church. So, you know, like I'm also, a, I'm slow to learn things. And so after fighting with this, I was like, you know what? I wonder if there's a better way. You know, like surely there's a better way. So I just, I called one of my neighbors. I'm like, yo, do you have one of these wrenches? And he's like, yeah. So I go over, grab it, five second job. Literally, literally. I'm fighting with this thing forever. I get the right tool what was impossible becomes so simple, it was hilarious. Like, I was like, are you kidding me? If I just had this, I wouldn't have been laying on my back with a soggy t-shirt. You know, if you've done anything in your kitchen sink, you know what I'm talking about. Doesn't matter how dry you hope to be, you're not gonna end that job dry. And, and I'm laying on my back. I'm trying to do this forever. And if I just had this one tool, then this impossible task actually made me feel like I was a pro. Isn't it amazing how one thing, one shift can take you from feeling like I have no idea what to do to if you ask me, hey, come change my faucet with confidence, I will be like, let me get my buddy's wrench and I'll be there. <laughs> right, one tool made the difference. You have the right tool for the job. Something that's impossible becomes simple. Here's my goal for us today is that we get a simple tool for the job of how to share our faith because at times it feels really impossible. But I do believe that the word of God has given us a few tools 
that if we open our hearts and our minds up to him, this impossible task of being someone who lives on mission with the Great Commission being our motivation, that we are to go into all nations and preach the gospel, that it becomes actually not this daunting, fearful task, but it actually becomes something that we feel made to do. Are you with me? Jesus says this in Matthew 22, verse 37. If you've hung out with me, you've heard this scripture. It is one of my favorite. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Okay? What Jesus is saying is live saturated. Love God with every part of you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus just preached my entire message from last week in two verses. It's humbling. Love the Lord your God with everything, all of yourself, every bit of who you are. Be saturated in the love that God has for you and be overwhelmed with the love that you have for him. And then go into dry places and leave them wet. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't know one person who would call themselves a follower of Jesus. And I'm, I know that some of you aren't, and I'm glad you're here. But most of us are. It's not so much that we don't have a desire to really be obedient to what Jesus was asking us to do here in Matthew 22. It's just that we don't really know how. Like, how do I really love my neighbor? What does that look like? Who is my neighbor? What am I supposed to do? And, and so we have this theory but we don't have any tools. Are you with me? And something that we like to think is, is like, you know how we love our neighbor? We bless our neighbor. This is a very simple tool that we stole unapologetically because when you see something that works, if you've got a wrench, don't invent your own wrench. Just as a general rule, all right? If you've got something that works, use it. And so we stole this, and we feel great about it. We feel like we've made it a little better. Moses, I, don't you think so? I do. I think we made it a little better. But, but this simple tool, it's a lens on how we love our neighbors. And when we say we want to bless our neighbors, this is what we mean. We want to begin to pray for our neighbors. We want to begin to pray. Why? Because God is real. And when we begin to pray, God begins to move. And now we want to listen to their story. And we want to encourage our neighbors. Then we want to serve our neighbors. And then we want to share Jesus with our neighbors. Listen to 1 Timothy verse two, chapter 2, verse 4. Who, speaking of God, wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Here's the heart of God for us. 
He wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And he's given us the invitation to be those who bless those around us so that the fulfillment of this scripture can happen. Because people hear about Jesus when we share Jesus. But here's where we've gotten wrong a lot of the time is that we start at the bottom and work our way to the top. And so we share with people and then we figure out, oh, I guess we should have prayed before we did that. (laughs) Or I don't even know where they're from. I don't know their name. I don't know where they work. I don't know anything about them actually. Right, but we hurl that water balloon like we talked about, and we're like, man, I hope that this, I hope they wanted to get wet. Right, and, and, then, and then we're like, when everything goes sour, we're like, dude, I, I guess I should have encouraged them because how many of you like to be encouraged? It kind of softens the ground a little bit. I don't know if you've ever felt that, and you're like, man, if, if, I, if I served them, maybe things would have been a little bit different. I, I, I don't think that it's anything that we're doing wrong. I do think, though, that at times we go about it in the wrong order. We go about it in the wrong order because before anything moves, we have to pray. Before anything moves, we have to pray. Matthew 13, verse 3, Jesus is doing what Jesus did. He's telling a story about how heaven works. And then in that story, he's giving us keys on how heaven is to invade earth. And Jesus told amazing stories, amazing parables is what they're called, And every one of those parables had a purpose. And that purpose, nine times out of ten, was to communicate in a very simple way the beauty of what heaven looks like when it invades earth. And this is what Jesus said. A farmer went out to sow seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it didn't have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seeds fell along the good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now we're going to jump down to verse 18 because it continues the story that Jesus had begun to tell And he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears this message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away and what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed fallen on rocky soil refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And this is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred Sixty or thirty times what was sown. I've read this parable as long as I've 
loved Jesus. This is not a new story to me, the parable of the sower. Maybe even if this is one of your first times at church, you hear this and you're like, yeah, that sounds familiar. It's very, very popular. And, and here's the thing. I've always read it through the lens of the sower, which we are. Let me just declare to you, we are seed sowers. We are gospel spreaders. And when you sow seed in, in the mindset of those who would have heard this story, when Jesus said that we are, a, we are sowers that sow seed, they would have seen people walking around in their minds with giant bags of seed, getting handfuls and throwing that seed all over the ground. That's what would have come in their mind because that's how you sowed seed. That was normative to them in their society. This was not some obscure, I wonder what he's talking about. They knew exactly what he was talking about. And Jesus is letting us know, and, and he was letting his disciples know, that that's how we are to be. We're, we're just supposed to take this, this gospel and we're supposed to just to let it just ooze all out from us, not really concerning ourselves with where it lands, just knowing that when saturated people walk into dry places, they will leave it wet. That the gospel is just going to spread all throughout us because that's just who we are. That's who we're called to be. That we're, we're saturated people before we're sent people. And so there wasn't like this super strategic like we're going to go one seed, one seed, one seed. No, the picture of what Jesus was saying is like, no, you're just going to get it all and just go like, whoa, like LeBron James before a basketball game. Right, like it's just like you're just throwing it out. And I've always seen it's like, oh man, I gotta be a seed thrower. And we do, and it's a right thing. It's a right way to see this. But I also think that God is opening my eyes up to another understanding of this passage that we're not just seed sowers, we're ground preparers. That we're not just to be like, you know what, dude? Like, oh, it fell on the path. No, it's like, no, we're, with our prayer, we can see that path turn into good soil. With, with our prayers, we, we can see that thorny place get cleaned up and cleaned out. And where there was something that would not, a person that would not want to receive, as we begin to pray for them, God does what God does. And, and prayer is this wild thing, man. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But God didn't ask for my opinion on it. I, I, I don't know if we move God or God moves us. And I'm not really that concerned with it. I just know that when I pray, God does move. And, and that when I pray, I find myself getting lined up underneath the truth of who he is. And as I'm lined up underneath the truth of who he is, his will becomes my will. And we, we begin to say, you know what, like, I, I want to see the hard soil around me begin to soften. You might be thinking like, man, you know what, my neighbor is a path person. If I just like share the gospel with them, that seed is going to bounce right off of them. It's not going to have any place to land. Don't be discouraged. Begin to pray for them. Begin to pray for them. Listen to their story. Get to know them. Every time we do that, we're, we're cultivating the land. We're, we're getting into the soil. We're removing those rocks of lies. We're, we're ripping out those, those thorn weeds that are going to come and try to cho choke out the truth of who God is. I remember my brother Jacob. 
Some of you guys know this story. I've shared it multiple times, but it's too good just to share once. My brother Jacob, man, was a wild man. Literally. He did all kinds of drugs. You know, it was, he was a great football player. He was everything I wanted to be, right? It's kind of frustrating. It's hard. Played football in college. He's just like a stud. And he, as I took a turn to say, I'm going to sell everything I have and give it all to Jesus, he went the other way and said, I'm going to sell everything I have and chase after the world. And when, I, when God really got a hold of my heart, I could not spend time with Jesus and not think about my brother. I couldn't. I, I, I was like, God, I, I want, if Jake could know this, if he could feel your presence like I'm feeling it right now, like he would know. And I remember this, you know, like as you do when you're 19 years old, you try to use wise and persuasive words. I remember calling my brother so many times, and man, he would just cuss me out and be like, do you take your God? And, you know, then he would call me just to antagonize me. And needless to say, our relationship was not heading towards intimacy. <laughs> we, were, we were running away from one another. We couldn't even be in the same room with each other. And please hear me. I'm not saying that I was like the good guy and he was the bad guy. Uh, I was seeking God, but there was a lot of my flesh that came out towards my brother. I said some things I shouldn't have said, went about things the way that I shouldn't have gone about them. But when I realized that my brother had turned into a path, and it didn't matter what I said, it was just going to bounce right off of him. I, I remember telling some of the guys I was walking with that, that my life group, and they said, hey, dude, let's pray for him. Let's start praying for your brother, not just you, but like all of us. Let's all start praying for your brother every single day. And so we start praying for him. Just every day, God, would you move on my brother? I started praying a specific scripture where I would say, God, I ask that you would give him a new heart out of Ezekiel 36. God, would you give him a new heart? Put a new spirit in him. Would you remove his heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh? That's a scripture about being a, a soil cultivator. Not just someone who's like, oh, you're a path. The seed's going to bounce off of you. Being like, no, 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 no. I'm going to pray and see that path turn into good soil. And so we just started praying for Jake and praying for Jake and praying for Jake. And Liz and I at our rehearsal dinner, we had a time where people could like kind of get up and tell funny stories and encourage us and stuff like that. And we were having a great time and laughing our heads off. And then my brother Jake stands up with tears welling up in his eyes. And he literally confesses his sin at my rehearsal dinner. I've been living this way. I've been doing this stuff. I'm at the end of myself. I don't know what to do. Well, all of my friends that were in my wedding were the guys that had been praying for him. So that night and then that next day, all of them just took turns. Dude, here's a scripture I've been praying over your life. He has a worship CD. I think he still has it. Hey, I sing this song, track number three. I sing this over your life every single morning. I just want you to know that. It was like every one of my groomsmen were going up to him and be like, hey, man, this is what I'm praying for you. This is what I've been praying for you. Jake was blown away. Like, what is happening? I go off on my honeymoon. He calls me. General rule, don't answer the phone on your honeymoon. Lesson learned. 
I answer the phone. It's my brother, Jake. He's weeping. He's like, J.D., I just gave my life to Jesus. I don't know what to do now. He's like, I know I can't stay here. I'm going to transfer from McNeese. Like, football's done. I think I want to move to Waco. Can you find me a place to live? I was like, yeah, no problem. So I called a friend. I was like, hey, my brother is coming. And literally, my brother, I love him, took a cell phone that had all of his phone numbers of trouble on it threw it in the trash, just left it, got two black trash bags, put clothes in it, loaded his car within an hour and just drove to Waco and said, I just have to leave this old life. And he's never turned back. Loves Jesus, loves his family. He's an incredible preacher, pastored a church, planted a church. Now he is like radically living for Jesus in the business world. So much so, I mean, just to brag on my brother here for one second. Why? Because God is real. You know, like in the business world, what is the the thing? I want to make more money. My brother's super good at what he does. But God has his heart, not resources. So he got, he, all the time he has companies trying to, to hire him from what he's doing. This one company dream scenario. They come up to him, offer him so much money, it's stupid. Like so much money, it's stupid. Holy Spirit speaks to my brother and says, no, stay where you are. I'm not done moving here. So Jake looks at him and says, nah, thank you, but no thanks. They said, we'll double it. Jake's like, no, no thanks. What's the figure? There's always a number. Here's my brother. Looks at him in the face. Says, I'm not moved by numbers. God told me to stay where I am. So I'm going to stay where I am. The story of that has flown through the entire industry. Who is this guy? It's a saturated person leaving a dry place wet. Jake went from a bad soil person to a good soil person. Why? Because people began to pray for him. When they began to pray for him, they got to know him. They listened to his story. My buddies, when they were talking to him, they were listening. Jesus modeled for us this to us. It's crazy. He goes up to a man who is at this place to be healed, and he says, do you want to get well? Doesn't make any sense if, you're, if you look at it through a lens of, of course he wants to get well, but Jesus is modeling for us that people need to share their story before we give them even what they're looking for. So he goes to this man that obviously wants to get well and he says, hey, so why are you here? You wanna get better? You just hanging out, looking for a suntan? You just wanna go swimming? Why are you at this pool? And the man's like, no, I want to get well. So Jesus says, hey, cool, get up. Jesus just could have walked by him and the guy got up. But he said, hey, why are you here? Because we need to listen to people before we start talking to people. You hear what I'm saying? We need to encourage people. People in your life need to see you as the most encouraging human being that's ever walked the earth. Why? Because God is real. They're like, man, when I hang out with that person, I get some I I start feeling better about life. 
We're not puffing people up. No, 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 no. We're encouraging them. We're saying, you know what? I see God doing this in you. I see God moving in you. Then we serve them. You know what that looks like? Can I just be really honest? You're engaging in the messy part in people's lives. Stay out of the neat stuff. Get into the dirty stuff. My wife is the best at this. I mean, exemplified in the fact that as everyone's leaving Ukraine, she's like, I think I should go. Why? Because where there is a mess, where there is darkness, there is light. And when we start engaging into the messy places in people's lives, not just wanting to deal with the nice, easy places, where we're like, hey, you know what? I see that your your marriage is falling apart. Hey, guess what? How can I support you? How can I pray for you? Hey, someone, your neighbor gets super sick. You, you organize a meal train. Don't ask them if they want it. Just be like, we got dinner coming to your house for the next two weeks. Who? My life group. Who's your life group? We'll talk about it later. But then we share Jesus with them. We're not just good people doing good things. We're doing it because there's a message in us that message needs to get out of us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want you really quickly to stand to your feet because what I believe God wants to do is he doesn't just want us to leave understanding how to love our neighbor, that we're to bless them and pray for them and listen to them, encourage them, serve them, and then share Jesus with them. He wants to empower us to be people who see heaven move through us. Amen? Because God is real. God is real. I want you just to open your hands. Jesus, I'm asking right now that the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that rose you from the dead, Jesus, would begin to fall on every heart in this room. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be those who go into all of the earth, into our city, into our nation, into the nations of the earth. We're to go into all of the earth. Not with wise and persuasive words, not with all of the answers, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Lord, I pray that right now you'd begin to burden our hearts to begin to pray for our neighbors. You begin to burden our hearts to begin to pray for those we're going to invite to Easter. Begin to burden our hearts to pray for the Easter carnival. That, that hard soil people would turn to soft soil people, that seeds would go into good dirt and bear much 